This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and today I am joined by Katie Dahl, singer, songwriter, playwright, Door County local musician who you've been around for a long time. You've played at a lot of places. I'm sure the vast majority of our listeners know your name and have heard you play, but we haven't had you on the podcast yet. So I'm so excited that you were able to come in and talk to me. We have some really exciting things to talk about, including your newest album. Uh, I listened to a couple songs this morning on Spotify. It was really great to hear your music again. I've heard you live, but I haven't listened to your, your CDs and it was cool to hear kind of a different side. Welcome in, and uh, thank you for for coming on. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, like I said, most of our listeners probably know your name, but uh, I'm I'm curious in getting to know more about you, more about your story. I know that you have a long history in Door County. I know your family's been here for a long time. Why don't we start kind of at the beginning? Tell me about who you are and your background and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I grew up in Minnesota, actually. I grew up in the Twin Cities, but I grew up visiting my grandparents who lived in Sister Bay, north of Sister Bay, on the farm slash cherry orchard slash property that has been in my family for a long time. So my great-great-great-grandparents came here from Scandinavia in the 1850s, mostly settled around the Sister Bay area. And my grandma went away to college, and that's where she met my my grandpa. So there were a couple generations there that weren't, you know, born in Door County. But if you go from just that beginning of my great-great-great-grandparents to my son, who's seven, that he's the seventh generation of Door County-ness uh, in the family. Yeah, that's great. And I, uh, I, I know from talking to you before that you had kind of that cool, like, quintessential Door County childhood where you actually got to pick cherries and stuff like that too. I did. And, you know, I had a lot of success in keeping the cherries in my bucket because I don't really enjoy the taste of cherries, which is a great quality in a cherry picker. Yeah. I would imagine that that's one of the things that you look for right away. Exactly. Oh, we know (laughs) that we're going to get the maximum output because they're not going to be sneaking any. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, So I did that as a kid because my great-great-grandpa in the 1900s was one of the first farmers to plant cherry trees in Door County. And that orchard that he planted is still run by my cousin, my cousins Mark and Mary Pat Carlson and their daughter Anna, um, Wildwood Market. And I worked, I I picked cherries for fun as a kid. You know, maybe I got a quarter a, a pail or something, but then... When I was working summers at Door Shakespeare as a person in my early 20s, I also picked for my cousins, which is like a terrible schedule choice. You know, like you work at the theater until 11 or 12, and then you have to be up at 5 or something to pick pick fruit. But I loved it. I did love the feeling of being on that land that is so, like, deeply in my blood. And so, yes, I've had a number of stints as a, as a fruit picker on my family's farm. Yeah. Uh, so you, you grew up in, in Minnesota. How long were you there? I was there. I was born in Colorado. I moved to Minnesota when I was one. And then I lived there through graduating from high school. And I went to Carleton College, which is also in southern Minnesota. And then in the summers, summer of 2003, which was after my sophomore year of college, I got an internship at Door Shakespeare. That was the first summer I spent 
Indoor County. And I've been there here consistently through all summer since 2003 and then added on falls in 2008 and then started living here year round in 2009. Yeah, I am also from Minnesota. I remember um, that. And I, I went to Augsburg College and knew of, I think my first like interaction with Door County, my my wife and I met in college, so I knew that she went there, but I also, in taking a theater, I have a theater background, so in taking theater courses, I learned about Peninsula Players, and I was told that it was, like, the oldest, like, still-running summer stock theater in America, and I was like, whoa, I have, like, a connection there through my wife and that kind of thing, so we moved up here for the theatrical landscape, which I I adore the the multitude and the different types of theater that we have up here. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit because of your, your playwriting background as well. But how did, how did music enter your life? I'm, I'm assuming probably at a younger age. Yeah. Well, our family is very musical. Like my grandma went to college on a, a piano scholarship and stuff like that. My mom always had music playing in her house and in the car, but I would say that Door County is really essential to my musical growth and the theater and the and music for me have always been really intertwined because of Northern Sky Theater, formerly American Folklore Theater, which I went to for the first time in 1991 and fell in love. So I was eight and I just loved, loved, loved it. And at the time they were doing a lot of work with actors who also were musicians and often would play their instruments on stage. And those musicians then, like the Karen Mulls and Fred Alleys and Doc Heides of the world, would be out and playing gigs, you know, in the Door County festivals, farmers markety kind of things. And so that I would go to see them, and I learned about the sort of contemporary songwriter landscape through that. So I I got to me like the world of musical theater and the world of contemporary singer songwriters were really central, and they were really closely linked, and they were very much embedded in. Door County. And so it's cool because I've what I've become is a, a contemporary singer-songwriter who writes musicals who lives in Door County. It's like all it's all what I would have loved as a kid. And never I never thought like, oh, this is what'll end up happening. I just loved it so much. I I knew that was where my passion was. Yeah, that's awesome. To have a direct inspiration mm-hmm. and then to like achieve that is really great. And I, I have a lot of questions as we move forward about just your life here and your work and how you managed the two. But as we continue on the story, did you, did you try to major in music in college or anything like that? Like when did you start actively pursuing it? I was an oboe player in middle school and high school and the first year of college. And I, I loved like folk music and songwriter music, but I wasn't a practitioner of it at that point. And then in my first year of college, I fell on the ice and I broke my wrist one day in January of my freshman year. And so I couldn't play the oboe for a while because it really is a two-handed instrument. But my mom had an old Sears Silvertone guitar, which I borrowed from her, and I learned to strum with my right hand, which was in a cast, and I learned the chords with my left hand, which was fine. And I never picked up the oboe again since that day. Um, I mean, I, that was the last day of playing oboe because suddenly this music that I felt so passionate about, I could recreate, you know, and the bar to entry to like beginning folk singing in a casual, you know, group of friends kind of way is very low. Like you learn three or four chords and you can play a lot of songs that you didn't know you could, you could play, you know, and suddenly that at that time, then I realized I could, I, I didn't realize I had a, a super talent for singing, but I realized that like I, 
playing guitar enabled me to sing at the same time. You can't do that when you're playing the oboe either. So it was really a turning point of embodying this music that I had up to that point just been like a listener of. So I never I never considered music as a possible vocation, I don't think, until maybe my senior year of college, I started to think like, oh, like, well, I have to figure out something to do. You know, does that does that seem good? And but I never. I majored in English, and I any musical endeavors I had were were informal and extracurricular. Huh. It's interesting that you you say that there's like a low barrier to entry for folk. I guess I never really thought of it that way because I would suppose that like your technical ability isn't nearly as important as your like your creativity and your songwriting. Like, does it feel like it's more of a a mental practice rather than a physical practice for you? How would you describe it? I think there are a lot of different ways that you can be a songwriter. I mean, what I was saying before about the low barrier to entry was sort of just as a an amateur song circle, you know, joiner inner, and that's where I mean. There's a low barrier to entry. There's a higher barrier to playing shows that people pay you to to play. But still, it's it's a much lower barrier than, say, if you wanted to be like a classical violist or something. Because I think the world of folk music is often more about the stories that the songs are telling or the stories that the performer is telling between songs or the... There are a lot of different ways to be a successful songwriter. You can be a great singer and a pretty podunk guitar player. You can be an amazing guitar player a terrible singer. You can be Bob Dylan and be like a mediocre guitar player and a and a singer most people would not care to listen to and just win a Nobel Prize for your songwriting. I mean, like there's right. so many different strengths different performers can bring. So does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. So when you when you got to Door County, had you already made your mind up to start like focusing on music or where kind of were you at when you decided like you're gonna you're gonna come here and you're going to make a go of it. Like where were you at in your, in your life at that point? Well, I did a thing where I would spend the summers here and then I would go elsewhere for the winters. So I, I went one after college, my first winter after college, I spent the year teaching English in Southern France. And then I came back to Door County. Then I spent the next winter in Minneapolis pursuing a, rom- a romance mainly. And then I came back to Door County. And then I started to sort of go places like the next year I went to Boston because I I got a job at the front desk of Club Passim which is a folk music center. I started to sort of pursue places to be according to the musical opportunities that they offered and sure. I was I was just like playing open mics like I I really I didn't write a song. The first song I wrote that I that I would consider like a song that I ever recorded or still play I wrote in 2006. So I was uh, 23 at that point and a year out of college and I was playing guitar like at George Shakespeare like you know the, often Shakespeare characters have like a roving minstrel yeah. and that was often my role and so I suppose those were technically like professional music opportunities but as a solo performer in 2008 I remember I, I got a gig at JoJo's Pizza in Ephraim I'm sure it did not pay me money and in fact I may have paid them money to give me the gig I'm not sure <laughs> I, don't, I don't know but like I was I was so proud and I remember I had one night off a week from Door Shakespeare and I asked my friend Nathan who was an, also a musician and indoor Shakespeare with me I was like you want to play this gig with me I got this gig and he's like so on our nights off 
And I was like, yeah, 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 on our nights off. Um, and he's like, well, maybe one time during the summer. Like, I, you know, he, I I was so, I still am this way. Like when there's an opportunity that I'm excited about, I sort of get a little irrational about the lengths to which I'll go sure. to pursue it. So I, you know, that was my first, my first time performing was 2008. And then it built up. I got a gig at the Inn at Christopher's singing twice a week. And, and that paid to me at the time, like amazing money. Like I was so thrilled and they were really nice to me there. And so I had a lot of background music gigs and every once in a blue moon, I started attending these music conferences that were more, they either Midwestern or nationwide that where I would try to get gigs other places outside Door County and travel to them. And those were like the the gold stand, you know, those were really exciting. And the first couple of years I had maybe two or three of those a year, you know? And so that's how it sort of, it sort of started. And, and I'm sure at some point we can talk about where it has ended up, but that that's how it, it kind of got started. Sure. Yeah. You, you talk about like this irrational urge when you get excited. I think that that is probably a key component to just any kind of like artistry when you're striving out on your own. The world doesn't often hand you all of the opportunities that you want. You have to go get them and and they're there, but they're looking for the people who are willing to to get them. And I I totally agree with that. Like when when I have an opportunity to create something, I get like that becomes my whole focus. Yeah. My wife is very much like that too, but she gets excited about, for example, we have a, a wall in our kitchen that's basically blank. It just has a mirror on it. And then one day I came home and half of it was covered with these like post-it note size, like little star pattern things. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm filling the wall up with like, it's like a wallpaper, but they're just removable little stickies. And I was like, it's going to be like 700 of those <laughs> to fill this wall up. And she's like, yeah, I have time. She completed it over like two days. But I was like, I can't believe that you got like, like 700 of these things that you're going to do. And she's like, doesn't it look really great? And I'm like, yeah, it does. But wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> so she's, she's similar about the more uh, mundane aspects of our life. But yes. That, uh, that's an exciting thing to be a part of as well. Yes, totally. Well, I think that creativity at its heart is not rational and the end it there's a lot a ton of rationality required of me on a day-to-day basis in my job you know to keep my career going but like the spark of what makes you want to do something it, it's not coming from a a thoughtful place and if it is i think you should be a little suspicious of it yeah i'm, I'm curious before we before we take a break and, and talk about your newest album Door County seems to me like a really wonderful place to perform, but what is it like to make music your job in a place like Door County? Are there the opportunities that, are there enough opportunities to do it full time here? What's your experience been like? That's a really interesting question. So Door County is an amazing place to be an artist because the people here are really interested in art. There are a lot of people, whether they're tourists or retirees or people with flexible work schedules who have the flexibility and sort of impetus to go see music or or art, you know, that there's an art loving culture here for sure. And there's a real sense, a real understanding of like money being a necessary component of artistic support. So I feel like people here really put their money where their mouth is in terms of when they say they support the arts, they really mean it. And there's, it's sort of like a, a collection of interesting oddballs in a, in a, you know, in a lot of senses. So I think that people, it seems like a homogenous community in a lot of ways, and it's certainly rural and kind of removed, but there's sort of a 
interesting diversity of perspectives that you come across. So in that way, it's a great place to be an artist. And for me to build my career, it was amazing because in like the whole 2010s, I played a ton of background gigs, restaurant gigs. I played at the cookery every week. I loved that up in their wine bar, played at the White Gull Inn. I built an audience and a lot of the audience that I built came from elsewhere. And then they, I found out that if I play in Chicago, I have a lot of people who come see me in Chicago because they saw me in Door County. And it was a, it's an amazing place. There are so many opportunities in the summer and fall to perform without having to, first of all, you don't have the overhead of expensive travel to other places to perform. If you want to start a family, you don't, you can be home with your kid that, you know, the same night that you perform. But what I, what I sort of, oh, and you get the chops. That's what I was going to say. You get the chops by performing so much that otherwise, if you if you don't if you only perform when you have a listening audience, you don't have as much practice on stage. You know, different opportunities. But I found in the pandemic, I really started to realize I was burned out of playing those wine bar restaurant gigs where a lot of people aren't listening, and those who are listening are often on vacation and want to feel happy or light. And I I like playing happy light music sometimes, but there's I realized that I was really feeling the urge to dig into deeper content and not always be happy and light. And I, it's really exhausting to play for people who aren't listening. It's a great, I mean, it's not as exhausting as cleaning toilets. I mean, it's not, it's, you know, sure. it's not, I'm not complaining, but it, but it does exact a price. And so I sort of decided that I will do those gigs if they are financially worthwhile, but I'm pursuing more listening room gigs, which means I'm traveling a lot more. So I love having Door County as a base still. It will always be my artistic home and I feel more loved by my home community than I can say. And as a place for listening rooms, you can only play, I mean, you can't play four nights a week to a group of people who want to really dig into the deep thoughts about life and, and if, you're, if you want to stay within a 20-mile radius of Bailey's Harbor. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, from, from what you're saying, it sounds like the opportunities to play are abundant. And it seems to me that there are a lot of different types of venues. I mean, from an outside concert to a, a restaurant gig to the auditorium, it sounds like there's a wealth of options, but your opportunity to play, like you said, to a listening audience seems like it's it's on the lesser side. Is yeah. that true? Maybe not less than a similarly sized rural area, probably more than that, sure. but way less than than the opportunities to play to a, a more casual kind of bar audience. Right. Well, let's take a break. And then when we come back, I think this is probably a good jumping off point to, to talk about your new album. So we will be uh, right back with that. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwanee counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Okay, we are back. So you you had talked about wanting to 
kind of explore something deeper, less of the happy-go-lucky stuff that you had been performing. Does that coincide with your newest album? As I was listening to some of the, the tracks on Spotify this morning, I definitely did hear that kind of more somber or inward-looking content coming out of that. Does your album reflect that desire to, to look inward more? Yeah. I started in 2018. I met a woman named Julie Wolf at the auditorium. I was playing... I was opening for Dar Williams and Julie was Dar's side player. In the green room we were talking and Julie said she was a producer and she talked about how she her goal as a producer is to really get undefended performances both as a writer and as a singer from from so- songwriter. She really works with songwriters and that really stuck with me. It was 2018 and I had a, a young kid and I was working on this album about songs about my heritage in Door County and I, I'm proud of that record. It's called Wildwood. It came out in 2019. But as the pandemic set in and I was sort of by myself a lot and in 2020, I started to think about Julie's notion of digging in an undefended way into things that were that were scarier maybe to, to talk about. And so I, I got her on the hook to be my producer and I started writing to that idea of things. I was I called the working title of the record "Things Katie Doll Finds Hard to Talk About," nice. and I started writing into topics like being queer or having struggles with body image or grief. That before, when I'm writing to an audience that might be on vacation, I would have thought like, "Oh, they're not going to want to hear that." And I and so sort of a shift in my perceived audience allowed me a shift in my my topics yeah i think that there was a lot of transformation for a lot of people during the pandemic a lot of people picked up hobbies changed jobs things like that such a strange time in our lives but one that i think for many allowed them to do something different and sounds like that was the the case for you as well the the new album is called seven stones correct that's right and and what album is this for you is this what number this is well this is my fifth album of original songs i also put out a record of songs by fred alley and i also put out two original cast recordings sort of in conjunction with northern sky theater of plays i'd written but my fifth album of original katie doll songs I don't want to. I don't want to backtrack, but we didn't even talk about your playwriting as well. You've written uh, a couple of musicals. One was actually just recently premiered at Northern Sky. Time gets away from me, but was it last year or the year before? Twenty one. It was actually a preview production since it was just coming out of COVID, so it was kind of stripped down. I think there'll be a full premiere at some point. Right. I may have to have you come in again for another episode just to talk about the playwriting side of that because that's something that I get really nerdy about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it this episode will be an hour long if we dig into it now. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to mention that as part of your career as well. But this new album came out this year. Uh, it's available to people to listen to on Spotify. I'm assuming you're touring with it as well, correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. And where where are you touring right now? This summer, I've been in Connecticut. I've been in California. I've been in Washington State. I've been I've been really all over in the last six months. I've been in probably ten or eleven states. In 
mid-September, I will go to for 10 days of shows in Germany. And then I'm leading a couple of like fan tours to Scotland, which is a new thing I'm doing. So next is Europe. That's awesome. Is touring a, a newer part of your career? Or have you been doing that all along? Well, I've never done it to this extent because I always felt happy to stay in Door County and, and just play here for the whole summer and fall, basically. And since I'm not playing all those regular gigs that I used to play anymore, partly by choice and partly because venues have closed, <laughs> um, it has led me to more touring. And, it, and really, that was my dream all along. It just seemed like sort of an audacious one. Yeah, undergoing a, a touring schedule, I think, is is probably very challenging. What is it? What is it like? Like, what's the day to day while you're on tour? The day to day while I'm on tour is so much easier than the day to day while I am at home. I have to say, like, wow, the, it's so single. Now, is that just a because you have kids thing? Because I would understand that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I bet you would. No, I have a, I do have a seven year old, and that's part of it. But really, for me, the hardest part of this job is how fragmented my mind has to be. Like, I need to do, I need to do my booking. I need to do my accounting. I need to do my marketing. I need to do, I need to write songs. I need to organize my merchandise. I need, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different components of keeping the Katie doll ship afloat and very little, like I would say maybe, mm, maybe overall 5% of my time as Katie doll, the musician is spent actually doing music really like 95% of it is emails and graphic design and stuff like that. So at home, I feel overwhelmed at any given moment about how many different choices I have of what to do and how many things are screaming at me. And on tour, I know I don't have room for that. Like I know that I wake up, I got to get some coffee, I got to get some food and I've got to drive, you know, two to 10 hours to the next show and I have to be there on time. So it feels like a big relief to my nervous system to be single-minded when I'm on, on tour. It can be exhausting for sure, but I find it an easier kind of exhaustion. Huh. That is, that's a, a different perspective than I was expecting. But I suppose that is also kind of the dream for any artist is like just to be able to do the work is kind of the goal. But unfortunately, in order to be able to do that work, there's a ton of extra stuff that you need to do as well, especially when you're, you know, a one man band just trying to do the whole thing yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I'd imagine that, yeah, that that ratio of time spent performing to all of the other stuff is is challenging. But also, I I feel like there is a, a challenge also in like how much of your day is in your car, right? Like I I, I can't imagine like my whole month is going to be drive 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 perform perform perform. Although it. I guess in a way I have sort of had that experience before. Like when you're doing a show with a long run, like a theater show with a long run, you pretty much do most of your stuff at night. You eat at night, you're there, you're kind of there. And then your mornings are like just waiting to perform again kind of thing. So I guess I, I can, I can see it when you're jazzed up to perform, the other stuff mu becomes much easier. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like, Honestly, it's just, I don't even feel that jazzed, uh, you know, on tour. I usually feel great while I'm performing, but I just feel calm. I just feel like I know what I have to do and I can do it. And the rest of the days, I just feel like God knows what I should be doing at this moment. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I mean, sure hey, something different than what I'm doing. Right. That's good too. I also would love a day to just be like, ah, I know what's going on. Today. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else about your, your touring schedule, upcoming performances or your new album that you want people to know before we start to wrap up? Well, you know, just that I would love for people to listen to this new record. I mean, I, I feel really proud of it and I, I don't think it's, 
different Katie doll. I think it's, I mean, I think it's just a, you know, there's a prism of my music and it's just another facet. I think like in the last few years, one part of my journey and it's, it's kind of unique. I I think a, a different thing to do in Door County than in a urban place is to come out as bisexual. I'm married to a man, so it's not very visible unless I make it visible. And uh, there's a lot of that on this record. I think there's, uh, my dad died and there's a lot of that on this record. And there's like, I just, the biggest feedback I've gotten is about a song I wrote called Since I Was Eight, which is about just like lifelong struggles with body image. And that was so scary to talk about out loud. And all these things to talk about them out loud have been mind-blowing just the community that you can create when you're open about things like that you can't have community around hard things if you don't know that other people are going through them you know you have to talk about them in order to have community and and fellow feeling and have each other to work through things so I guess I love this community in so many ways and it's been a deepening like the Door County community, I mean. And it's been a deepening of that community to talk about these things that are sort of under the surface and are not necessarily talked about a lot. It's been cool to be like, oh, this community has all this stuff, uh, you know, happening that I didn't. I I thought I was by myself in that. And I think it's easy in Door County to feel that way because you you, sometimes you don't see any other people. (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. Why why is it that, like, our our biggest challenges – we are quiet about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like these are things that like grief is, is such a hard thing to go through. And yet we feel like we need to keep it inside. Yeah. And when you finally do have an opportunity to talk about it with somebody who understands, it's like, Oh my God, why haven't I been talking about this with other people before? And as you were talking about examining these challenges, queerness, grief, those types of things, I'd imagine there's multiple steps to interrogating those. You you know, you have your life where you're feeling them. And then in your case, you have a a moment where you're writing about them and and interrogating them in that way. And then you have another phase where you're sharing them publicly with everybody. What is that process like? Like, how do you feel about the, the issues that you were talking about how did you feel when you first started writing about them? How do you feel now that you've shared them? Like, how does that change in the process? You know, it's interesting in Door County. Like, I think there's a thing where we, we're all kind of famous in Door County, you know, because it's a small town. So if, if famous means you get recognized in the grocery store, like we all are, <laughs> you know, like a little bit. Yep. And I think sometimes to be open about our challenges is scarier than if we live in a an urban place where we can talk about something at one, you know, in one part of our lives and, and be pretty confident maybe that you're not going to, you know, see someone in the grocery store. Right. Who, who yeah. If just, you perform in the city, you're not going to see any of those people ever again, yeah, even right. if you perform 10 times in the city. Right, right, right. So it's different. There is the stakes are in some ways higher, even as you might think they're lower. I think they're higher. And I felt really scared. Like I, the first time I sang my song since I was eight, I like, I was shaking. Like I felt like, my hands were not connected to my body. Like it felt so, I felt so bare. Or like the time, I've been out as bisexual to my family and friends since I was 19, but I hadn't ever really talked about it publicly. And I talked about it at a UU, like at the UU and Ephraim in October, 2021. And I felt really, really nervous. Like that was like 
a couple months of therapy leading, you know, leading up to that. And I, I think there's a way that you just have to go through the discomfort of revealing yourself and it is uncomfortable. And so for me, that was, and it's not, then you're not like done. Then it's not like, oh, now it's always comfortable. You know, it's like, it's like ebbs and flows your, your comfort. But I do think that there's something, and I hope this is answering your question, but I do think that there's something there are bravery muscles that get stronger. You know, there's like something that like, oh, I I said that scary thing and, you know, here I still am. And actually there were these there were these good outcomes. So I think that I feel my bravery muscles being stronger than they ever have been before because I've been I've been practicing, you know? Right. When you were writing about these things, do you feel in my life I felt like when I had to kind of self-diagnose or understand my personality or why I am the way that I am and what things in my childhood made me the way that I am. I feel like I was always kind of surprising myself when I would go like, oh, I made a new connection here. This this kind of explains this behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and once I really examined myself, I was then able to kind of make those changes. But I was surprised when I would find out like, I'm acting this way because of of this thing that I haven't thought about as being a trigger for this type of thing. I, I of course, have never like written about any of that, let alone try to inject creativity into those things as well. What was that process like? I mean, for me, I feel lucky that I have the outlet that I have because I I think otherwise I don't know what out where I would find a place to sort of I guess it feels important to me and I guess it makes sense that I've ended up in this job that it feels important to me to say things to other people like it's not everyone feels that way I think plenty of people and maybe you maybe you feel this way too like understanding self-understanding is enough you know and for me it feels important to understand in a more social context and get feedback and converse about it. So it feels like as a writer, if you're a songwriter, whatever you're writing, you're going to have to, you're going to have to perform it like, and you have to perform it over and over again for like decades, possibly, you know, like if you're a painter, you can paint that painting and then someone else buys it. You don't have to look at it again, but you have to sit with whatever you've written for quite a while. And, and those, those are all the, I've kind of lost my thread, but those are all the many threads that come to mind when yeah. you say that. No, that that's a good point too, because even if you, you know, you write poetry or books or something, if you explore something very deep to yourself, you can put it on the page and then it can live on its own and other people can interact with it aside from you. But when you're a performer like this or, you know, a storyteller or a comedian or anything like that, you do have to reopen that book every single night that you are talking about it. Um, That's, yeah, that's amazing to think about. And also it's good to know that you are are feeling like you're getting braver as you go along. Like it's cool to see that you're interrogating these challenging issues, but they are emboldening you. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that the community also has kind of coalesced around this and you're using it as a way to engage in conversation. I think that that's really important. Yeah, thanks. I do too. Anything else people need to know, uh, upcoming shows or where people can listen to the music? I know that you have a Patreon, so if people want to support you there, uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, wow, it must be challenging to be a musician on your own in a place like Door County. I wonder if Katie would appreciate five bucks a month from me. You can go on Patreon to do that. I know that the links and stuff are on your website, but where can people find out more about you? Yeah, my website, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram. And 
And like you said, Andrew, Patreon is the number one way that I sort of pay my bills. And it's it's amazing. And it's also a great way that I interact with fans in a deeper way. So patreon.com slash Music is that. But I'm on all the socials. I have my website. I have an email list that you can sign up for on my, on my website. There are many ways to stay in deep touch with me all the time. <laughs> Great. Uh, I also know that just because of our, our audience, I know that there is, you know, uh, a more tech savvy part of our audience because they listen to a podcast and know what a podcast is in general just to be able to access it. But for people who don't know what a Patreon is, it's basically a website where you can subscribe to somebody Katie in this instance, uh, and give them a varying amount of money per month. And there are tiers and the, the more you give a month, the more exclusive stuff you get from them. So it's a two way street. Uh, you engage with your audience, they engage with you and you can say like, Hey, not only am I supporting the arts in Door County, but I'm also getting a little, uh, secret content that not everybody else is getting. Totally. I mean, in my case, actually, it's very egalitarian. No matter how much you give a month, you get the same content, but you can start at three $3 a month. I have a lot of patrons who give me $3 a month. I have a couple who give me $100 a month and, you know, everywhere in between. And that in the pandemic was, you know, saved me. Right? Yeah. It, and since then has also saved me because touring is expensive. Like it's, you know, like this is not a very sustainable job in a lot of ways, but Patreon has made it sustainable. So it's a, it's an amazing, especially in the face of the streaming music economy, which is, I don't know how much people know this, but Spotify, if you listen on Spotify, it pays nothing, you know, that um, yep. to artists, a like fractions of a cent. Yeah. yeah. So the, so Patreon is like a place I think a lot of sort of good, generous minded people are, are filling the gap of that. And certainly for me, that's, that's been, that's my lifeline these days. Yeah, that that's great. And it, it was cool to see that you had one because there's not a lot of people that I know who are working up here that also have that. But I think it's important, especially for musicians, even the, the people who create things that aren't necessarily tangible buys, right? Like you support a painter by buying their work. You can support you by coming to see you in a show or buying a CD or some merchandise. But if you really want to like sustain your work, something like Patreon makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Anything else that folks need to know? I think we should uh, we should wrap up. Thank you for coming in uh, and chatting with me about your life and your new album. I, I know I'm going to have you on again because there's so many things that we didn't touch on. The playwriting, you mentioned streaming there at the, at the end, and you had a whole couple of years where you completely transformed your life into the streaming yeah. zone with COVID. So, I mean, there's, there's so many things that we can talk about. And I, I, I will definitely have you back on again if you'd, if you'd come back. I would love to come back. Perfect. Well, Katie, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.